Dear Young Married Couple. This one is specifically for those that are considering going into ministry or in some sort of leadership capacity. Um, and it's all about lifestyle. Yes, and we are so honored to have with us in his own studio, brother Kevin Bradford, pastor of Greater Bakersfield First Pentecostal Church here in Bakersfield, California. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks. It's very, very good to have you guys with us in our studio. Yes. Cool. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and uh, big props to uh, Kevin Forsyth for producing this episode. and Major props. Yes, giving us the, the space and... Um, the studio. So thank you. This is this is awesome. Love yes. doing these offsite here in your hometown. We just Pastor need to Kevin take this Bradford. thing home. Exactly. <laughs> so this episode came about because Adam and I were talking uh, last week and we were just saying, you know, we're coming here to Bakersfield to do a family workshop and we were talking about the Bradfords. We've known the Bradfords for a long time. Um, goes back to our youth days, probably a yeah. couple decades ago. Yep. It feels really old I to felt say. really bad because <laughs> in our conversation last night, you at, I made a connection with a, a place and you asked, when was that? Uh -huh. And I said, mm, that would have been like uh, the early 80s. Said, that was before I was born. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I feel kind of ancient of days there. <laughs> yes, but even uh, yeah, in our teenage years, we remember him preaching and then as we've gotten to know you over the last decade more closely um, in ministry, we know a lot of people who are connected to you. We've counseled folks from your church. We have family that go to your church and not one time have we ever heard a negative thing spoken about you or your family. And so we said, hey, we should interview Pastor Bradford about how he's accomplished this, where he stays above reproach. You're a man of integrity. And so that's what we want to discuss with you today. I hate to bust your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I walked into church one night and there was a gentleman that was waiting for me at the door. I'd never had this happen before. And so he greeted me and he told me just very straightforward. He said, I I'm coming to you because I, I want to apologize and ask for your forgiveness because I have hated you. Oh, wow. It's a strong statement. Well, yeah. <laughs> Took me by surprise there a little bit. How did you so respond to him? I said, well, I forgive you. Mm. I'm not sure what caused that, but I forgive you. But Wow. Uh, I know what you're saying, and I appreciate that. I mean, that means a lot when you're in ministry. You recognize and know that you're not going to be able to please everybody. That's just an impossibility. Mm -hmm. But you, I think you, I think every leader should strive not to be abrasive. Mm. Talk uh, about that. Like, like we why? see leaders who are abrasive. Well, <laughs> every place has a different personality and every leadership has different personalities. And even in our own history of this church, there have been three pastors in 80 years. We're going on our 80th year. That's incredible. Um, and all three of those pastors are very different in personality. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you look at, at our founder, I think people would say that he was the right man for the right time in the right place. Mm. And uh, and then my father-in-law was here for many, many years, and you could say the same thing about him. That, I would say, is, is probably the difference in my approach. Mm. So, And when you try to be somebody that you're not, you're, you're really, you're not going to achieve what you want 
successfully in your, there's going to be some unsettledness in your own spirit Mm -hmm. if it's not really you. So in my approach to things, I guess you're kind of talking about how to approach ministry, leadership, uh, what is different about you maybe than others. For me, I guess that probably starts with uh, my personal approach to life. So it'd be like Mm -hmm. life management skills and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just like with you here last night talking about parents and parenting and the crisis of children, your opening salvo was you can't be a great parent if you're not a good person. I mean, we could give you (laughs) all the tips in the world, but if you're not working on yourself, you're not going to be very effective. So I think for me, that's a, that's a starting point. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I like routines. Uh, I, I like having some kind of schedule. So what are some routines that you practice on a regular basis? And this is actually diving into the idea of, I like how you said this, lifestyle or life management. Because mm-hmm. yes. it's it's all encompassing. It's not just like be a good preacher or be nice to people on your team. It's much more than that. And it starts with you. Yeah. So I think physical exercise is important for me. Mm-hmm. I feel a whole lot better about myself if I am... If I'm exercising, I'm doing stuff. And there's a whole ramification to that physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually mm-hmm. when you, you're you taking care of yourself in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you go into Scripture and you, you look at like Deuteronomy 6, 4, the outflow of hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is interesting because in the Hebrew, might is an adverb. It, it's not, you know, heart and soul. Mm-hmm. You can understand that. But might, what what is that? And so it's descriptive of all of your very or all of your, like, muchness. So mm-hmm. it's not just your religious approach to God, which could be your heart and your soul, but it's also everything in your life Wow, that is also incorporated into that. It's so holistic so, and applicable. Holistic is the key word. Yeah. So for me, holistic living is important. If I'm going to be the best leader and the most effective, it's going to be if I'm living holistically. Mm. So that means, you know, I need to spend time in theological study, scripture, uh, spiritual disciplines, but I also need to take care of the physical component of my body. Mm. Yeah. That to me is very, very important. And I know sometimes we get um, off the, the pathway to that because of Paul's infamous, you know. <laughs> Bodily exercise, profiteth little. little yeah. <laughs> but it uh, profiteth. It does profit. (laughs) It profits some. And his whole point there is not necessarily marginalizing that, but just pointing out that it's not, it doesn't have the same priority as godliness because godliness is eternal. Mm -hmm. And the body that you're working on is not eternal. Mm -hmm. But he's not saying don't exercise. 
don't be disciplined, ignore right. any kind of moderation, and be unhealthy with all of these ramifications because of that, and mm -hmm. somehow hope that God's going to bail you out. And I think some of that is, that's really in, in apostolic circles, that's an Achilles heel. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't, we're not known to be the most fit kind of people. Right. We, we fellowship. We we go out and we eat when we shouldn't be eating. And okay. <laughs> and then, you know, if we're not careful, somehow we're waiting for God to kind of bail us out. Mm -hmm. Or we're praying that somehow he solves our diabetes problem that we could have solved ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes that just, I mean, that's, I may not be very popular. Okay. <laughs> it needs to be said. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I don't think we sometimes look for a reason that we ought to take care of our body. Mm -hmm. Like we have that one verse and that came easily to our mind. But I think we can both sit here and pull up verses that talk about the importance, the beauty of what God has given us. And it's the tool that is used as a billboard for spreading. I mean, if his hands and our feet are impotent, mm -hmm. both spiritually, mentally, right. And physically, like, I would think that God wants us to be the best version of ourselves in all ways. I mean, Paul said, we were, I brought this up earlier, but, you know, let your moderation be known to all men. Mm. So excess, don't go to the excess and don't also deprive yourself of all these things. Right. We have verses all over the Bible that talk about those things. Mm -hmm. So how do we maybe have a more balanced theology around the body and the importance of the body. Like, mm. how do you come to that conclusion? Well, I mean, there's a lot of verses. You just brought up a few, but your body's a temple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what you do with it and how you treat it is important. Man. Yeah. But uh, doesn't that tell us so much? I mean, the painstaking detail that God goes through in the Bible of saying, this is how you treat your temple. This mm -hmm. is what you do in the temple. This is who is allowed to go in the temple. Right. Is like all these things. Like So if our body is a temple, then is God interested in what goes in the temple? Absolutely. I, I think part of it is, it is uh, it's not good eschatology. Hmm. And, it's, and some of that is, is built into the notion that uh, the imminent return of Christ is coming, mm -hmm. which I, I believe that, uh, but it's coming in such a way that we get lazy about every other area of our life, hoping that it happens to bail us out yeah. of, of all the circumstances. And whether that it's financial, in, yeah, don't save for retirement. Right. Whether it's financial, yep. whether it's health. I mean, mm -hmm. we've lost probably some very good people that could have had some longevity in ministry mm. because they didn't take care of themselves. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's tragic. There are some other faith-based uh, religions that build that into their platform. Mm. That Like physical that, fitness? Yeah. That taking care of your body okay. is part of the, you know, we typically have the, the four leg, uh, Repentance, baptism, infilling the Holy Ghost, living a holy, mm -hmm. separated mm -hmm. life. That's kind of, you know, the platform. So living a holy, separated life, yeah. wouldn't that include the process of sanctification in a physical set? Well, like I would holy. say, I would say yeah. yes, but that's, 
but that's not reality. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've got work that we need to do there. Mm -hmm. I think it's important there. But as I was saying there, I mean, some people that's built into part of their platform that, that our diet needs to be, um, important. Physical Mm -hmm. exercise is important. And because of that, we are the temple. Mm -hmm. Our body is the temple and therefore we should take care of it. Mm -hmm. And then you look at other scriptures. I mean, Paul uses other illustrations about being disciplined, self-discipline. He talks about running marathons. He talks Mm -hmm. about shadow boxing. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, Paul, Paul is using those kind of disciplines to point out the importance of spiritual discipline and prioritize it, that it is greater, but we're just, we're supposed to be harbingers of what is to come. Hmm. Like when there is a return of Christ, he is coming to redeem heaven and earth. Yeah. So what we're saying here is on the earth, the way I'm living my lifestyle and what I'm doing is like John the Baptist is talking about when Jesus is coming that when he does come, it's going to be a whole new heaven and whole new earth. Mm. And therefore, I'm exemplifying that in everything that I'm doing, in my theology and in my lifestyle. And so I've got to control my appetites, all of my appetites, whether it's appetites for sexuality, whether it's appetites for power, domination, control, Mm -hmm. whether it's appetites for food and diet, they're all appetites. Right. And so we pick and choose and we conveniently leave out that one. And there's as much to be said wow. in the scripture about gluttony as any other appetite. Preach. And well, wow. not too many people are preaching that. Not too many people are saying that. And uh, I think we should. I think it should be a conversation. Right. So For, for those people's benefit. Mm. Because, Absolutely. Because, I mean, gluttony is a sin. And... Whenever we have sin, we're sinning against our body, our mm-hmm. own body, it says. So so when we allow these things to happen, we're, of course, sinning, but also there is a cost to this. Mm-hmm. It slows us down. It, in the natural. Yeah, in the natural. Yeah. yeah. So, and, so get practical uh, about that. Tell us about your routines yeah. around, yeah. Uh, you know. So let me, let me, well, let me circle back to that. That was, <laughs> that launched into a whole discussion. It did. And it seems also like we're way off, but we're not. No, we're it's necessary. Not. Well, this is life management. And maybe this is also a, a place I, from what I've seen. It's not discussed very often because it's an uncomfortable place to say, hey, this is a, an area that people can really work on. Mm-hmm. And it's not a shame, like shame on you for do, not doing this, but mm-hmm. hey, we could do better maybe. Right. Yeah. How, well, how about, so this, this podcast here locally is called Loops. How does mm-hmm. it loop back into the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. Everything loop back into the kingdom of God. So physical exercise and fitness training, they're a big, big, that's a big industry yes. in the world. Yes. And why are they doing it? Well, a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it is for for health and being fit, being able to do stuff, mm-hmm. um, be productive in society. And then you have the whole vanity part of it too, which right. is a whole nother part of it. I think a lot of people are trying to cheat death. Yeah, like yeah. the whole, the whole like Dave uh, Bulletproof Coffee, Dave As, I think it's Asbury, and all these guys are saying, you know, I'm living, I'm going to be living to 180, and they're trying to, you know, 
Yes. Knock forty years off their life <laughs> and live to add forty right. years on their yeah, life. and they're and they're what they're yeah add forty years on their life, but it's all this attempt I think to for Im- Im- immortality. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's probably I mean on the far end of the spectrum because you have those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but by and large, either people are doing it for vain reasons; they want to look good, right. Um, and then you got people in the middle that just, I'm trying to live healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're doing it, all of that for, for those secular reasons. Mm. But what if you turned that around and you said, I'm, I'm doing it to be a benefit to the kingdom of God. See, no, nobody really thinks about that, right? That's good. That's how it loops I, in. That's how it loops in. I'm exercising and I'm trying to be the best that I can be physically so that I can have a greater impact in the kingdom of God. That is not, I mean, that, Have you ever heard a sermon God, preached on uh, that? No, no, uh, no, I have not. Seriously. But you know, it would seem that you would have an interesting perspective on this. For one, you're fit. But two, you struggled before with your health yeah. and almost died from cancer. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's the, uh, that's where nobody has control of you know future circumstances right. because at that point I was the the most fit I'd ever been in my life mm-hmm. still right. ended up with cancer but but you saw how that directly affected not feeling good in your body yeah. your 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 yes ministry and mm. and probably gave you a, a huge um perspective perspective yeah. shift but also mm-hmm. how important your body is needed for mm. effective ministry. Yeah. Well, you can't be a good parent if you can't get off the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Your kids want they want you to throw a ball, do whatever. I mean, that there's gonna be a level of success there because you can do those things. Mm-hmm. If that's your mentality and you take that, I'm I'm doing what I'm doing to be better effective in the kingdom of God. That also has to, that comes into play with how you worship, Mm -hmm. uh, how much energy you have, how you feel about yourself. Mm. uh, And ultimately, now I'm getting back at the question that you asked me. Yeah, (laughs) that's all right. This is good. Uh, And that is, if I'm I'm operating on all of those cylinders, uh, and God puts a lot of that. I mean, there's a party that goes on when you're working out. Right. There's a high that comes working out because all your body's responding to that. Yeah. Natural dopamine. Yes. So if you're if that's happening, you you feel better about yourself. Um, Mentally, you're in the right place. Uh, Health wise and energy and all those things are in a good place. Coupled with, you know, other things that are important, like spiritual disciplines, your interaction with people. And your approach to stuff is going to be much better. Mm. Yeah. If I don't feel good about myself and my, my clothes are not fitting right and, mm-hmm. and now I'm grumpy, I've missed the stuff, I'm not in my routine, and then now somebody's coming with a problem <laughs> and I'm just transferring all of that. I mean, that's not healthy. It's not healthy in family relationships. And certainly as a leader, mm. it's not going to help in in spiritual leadership. Yes. Yeah. So 
that would be one of the things that I feel is very, very important. I love it. And I love how the emphasis is on the emphasis is on integration and holistic life management. Mm-hmm. That's something I think that you are tuned into as a pastor. Um, it's evident in the title of your podcast, Loops. Mm-hmm. It's all about holistic living and integration. Um, it's evident in your education. I mean, you, you have a bachelor's in business, you have a master's in theology. And I mean, the business degree too is very, very practical. You're talking to us about some of the coursework you took and that allows you to be holistic as a pastor, having each of these, you know, you, you haven't just been like some egghead that's in studying scripture and doing nothing else to apply it to your life. Talk to us a little bit about the education piece. Um, how do you as a pastor um, celebrate and promote education with the people that attend your church? Yeah. Before we get into that question, let me just throw out a caveat. Okay. Because what we tapped into there <laughs> organically, talking about um, appetites and eating yes. and what have you, uh, can really push some people's buttons. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think everybody wants to be better, but it is a very, very strong appetite. And when there's life situations and circumstances, a lot of people, that becomes a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's a very strong and powerful one. You mean like mm-hmm. emotional eating? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Binge eating and mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're basically kind of checking out of some situation. So I know that that's very, very, a very strong um, sentiment. Sure. Mm-hmm. And a powerful pull. So, and I wouldn't want to marginalize anybody. Right. I also recognize that there's me- medical issues. There's mm-hmm. some people, they can work out, take care of diet, and there's there's still yep. underlying issues and symptoms yep. and stuff they've got to deal with. Totally. So I, I wouldn't want to disenfranchise anybody. So I think you kind of have to qualify that before you say it, so that you don't offend you don't offend people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I think it's a conversation that needs to be discussed and not in a way that is condescending, right? And that condemns people, but yes. tries to build people up and encourage people that no matter where you are. I mean, you can do and you can be better mm-hmm. and you may not, you know, achieve yeah. uh, what somebody else is doing, but don't compare yourself and, yeah. and just do what you can do and know in that is is a step in the right direction. Yeah. I don't think that conversation has had much and I think it's very, very important. So I, I thank you for that, too, because it's very easy for people to feel you know, marginalized or attacked. feel attacked. Yeah. And I think this is just a wake up call for people who do have the capability of taking action mm-hmm. and, and maybe just don't see the necessity in their Christian walk right. to apply it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for people, and it's really real, and we've worked with lots of people that don't have the capability of doing that. And yeah. that those are special circumstances. And that's why we don't judge Lest we be judged, yeah, mm-hmm. because we don't know unless correct we we have that conversation. I like to talk about things in terms of the ideal and reality. To mm-hmm. me, that's really uh, theologically is as a 
pastor. We're, we're still answering your first question. So, <laughs> well, this, we're, is, this is a good conversation. All right? around it, but, the essential uh, and the existential, right? The ideal, the essential, and then yes. the reality, the existential. Yes, the ideal is always where you set the bar. Mm-hmm. and But the reality doesn't always measure up to that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean that you stop preaching and teaching the ideal. Right. It just means that you... The reality of of situations and where people are sometimes they they don't the reality is messy yeah. uh it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. sometimes it's confusing sometimes mm-hmm. there's a lot of anger and emotions associated with yeah. all of that but you still have to point people to the ideal mm-hmm. and so you are asking how is it that do you how is it that people approach you in a particular way? How is it that that people we talk to appreciate you? And they don't say anything negative about you. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it, it's the understanding of that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nobody. The only ideal person is Jesus, That's right. right? And and the rest of us, in, including Paul, said, "I haven't attained to that. Yeah. I'm striving for that. I'm reaching for that." Mm-hmm. So I think part of the answer to your question is that number one, the the holistic way of of living, mm-hmm. and I've got something else to say about that, and we'll come back to this second part because the second part that we're moving into now is ministerial approach, yes, which is ideal and real. But that back is... back to the holistic part, yeah. So uh, working out, uh-huh. having a schedule. Uh, being disciplined, spiritual discipline, scripture reading, preparation, coming to church, fasting weekly. These are all components. They all work together Mm -hmm. and it sets a person up with the ability to minister more effectively. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that's for me, that's part of it. If I'm not doing those things, I'm not as effective as a preacher. I'm not as effective as listening to people, trying to connect to people. And so I'm just... So a routine and settling into that and and trying to be the best that you can be with all of that, I think is extremely important. I, well, I don't so do good. diets. Uh, I don't do fad diets. I do, I do an amazing diet that not very many people utilize. It's called portion control. <laughs> yep. So I, I don't want to lose, you know, 20 pounds in two weeks. I, I'm not taking, you know, some kind of shot or uh, a fat diet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's got to be, it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. And so uh, for people that don't know myself and my wife, it really freaks them out unless, you know, we introduce them to the idea because we always split. Uh-huh. Like last so, night, you guys split you guys, at the yeah. restaurant. Yep. So yeah. when, when they bring the plate out, it's usually about it's usually about a sixty to forty endeavor. Sixty <laughs> percent is mine, forty percent is yours, and so. Aren't you nervous yeah. that your wife is going to take more than forty? <laughs> no, because we've established that. Oh <laughs> that you get the fork tonight. right in the middle, and like, okay. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's people that that, that see that. Uh-huh. Uh, they're just like, <laughs> their eyes kind of get big. The plate comes out. You take a knife, and you like. That's about 60%. And then you slide the other part of that over to her plate. And she's like, thank you. And everybody else is like looking at that. Like, uh, it's great. not because, you know, 
I love but it. Portion I'm control. That's biblical. Wife. Like yeah. that's. I'm not putting my wife on this. No. <laughs> that's all you. Men get, typically kind of need thing. more caloric intake than yeah. women. That makes right. sense. Wow. So, uh, but it is kind of funny because when people see that, they, they yeah. kind of freak out about that. But that's just the way that we kind of do it. That's great. So that um, we're not that restrictive. I mean, we do try to eat, but you know, yeah. we still like Chick Fil A and In and Out Burger, what have you. But it's moderation. Por- yes, yeah. it is. It's portion control. Yeah, so, that's um, so good. So I think that's the first part. I think that answers the first so life management yeah that's and i think it's so cool that as we're transitioning into ministerial approach you Mm. paused us to go back to life management and qualify the things that you said because that was very demonstrative of your ministerial approach you are very mindful of okay here's the ideal and i'm going to preach that and i'm going to preach truth but not at the expense of grace because we live in a fallen world Mm -hmm. and i'm going to be full of grace and full of truth just like Christ. Yeah. And and that was you just demonstrated it right there. And yeah. and so That's funny yes. you say that. I yeah, I actually did. Yeah. And the reason why is um because I know that that can be a real trigger point for uh-huh. people. Yeah. And I want to be on the side of we mm-hmm. and lead rather than be on the what you need to do. Yeah. How you're falling short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So in that, uh, that follows into maybe the second point, which we started into with the ideal and the reality. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think in my ministry, for whatever reason, um, I, maybe it's, it's just a certain sense of, of humbleness that I'm not where I need to be, you know, I'm always, I'm chasing the guy that I know I can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think and, that's right. And that's, and that's basically what Paul was saying. I mean, any, yep. anybody that could have probably padded his personal resume. Yeah. Was Paul and Paul's like, I still haven't attained. Yeah. I'm still reaching for it. Mm-hmm. I'm still striving for it. Yeah. Pressing toward the mark. Yeah. And so, um, if that's your mentality and, and people see that in you, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they'll give you a lot of leeway for yeah. your own humanness mm-hmm. because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're, you're not going to measure up in some cases. Have you ever said sorry to people? Oh, yeah. Time. <laughs> Are you allowed to do that? Yes. That's that's a good thing. Even just last night, you were telling us of a situation. I was thinking of that, that. you were pastoring, and and you apologized in the same conversation. You said something that was pastoral, and then you apologized for the way that you think it may have come across. Yeah. Doesn't that yeah, show weakness that... in in leadership to be able to do that? <laughs> no, I think it shows camaraderie with the whole we thing. We're that's all right. we're all trying to get somewhere, and we all have to work together to do it. And it's not like I'm coming from, or any leader is coming from a certain position where they're looking down and they're perfect and they're looking and telling you what you should do. That yeah. just, that's never been, I mean, going all the way back into youth ministry, working with young people and seeing all the struggles, it was a whole lot easier to get on board with them and say, look, you, we, we can, we can do better than this and let's try to do it. Let's strive to be better. Mm. And I think when you do that with people, um, 
there's more of a connection mm. to recognize, okay, we're all trying to reach that ideal. Reality has messed a lot of things up. Mm-hmm. You can't go back and change some things in life, yeah. but you can, you can try to be better. So the, that's kind of the methodology. Mm-hmm. I love um, that. I don't, uh, I'm not a Lord over God's heritage. What does that mean? Dominating, controlling, biting, mm-hmm. conflicting. Um, that that just to me is like fingernails on a chalkboard. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't like the 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 notion of man. He really preached tonight. He told him how it was. Mm. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, okay, yeah, but, yeah. If that's Does that what, work in parenting? Exactly. Right. There's got to be a balance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there obviously is places for judgment, but mercy is just as strong as an influence. And so we're talking holistically. Mm-hmm. We're talking about balance. I think that also has to come into play where you're well-rounded in that. As a parent, if all you're doing is discipline and there's no mm. building up affirmation, mercy, that that's a problem. But if you're on the other end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. it's all affirming and there there's no discipline, then then you got a monster as well. So it's mm-hmm. trying to create some kind of stasis in life. Do you know what what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing in this conversation in your approach is there's there's so much um, I'm trying to look look for the word, but it's like uh, analyze, analyzing mm-hmm. where am I in this in this place. And not wanting to go too far and hurt or not enough and hurt and just yeah. being very mindful and, and keeping the, your own personal shades as much mm-hmm. off as you can because you really want to see the situation as it is yeah. and not influence the situation but what you think you see. But how can we try to see it as close to how it is as possible? Mm-hmm. And how do I move in that situation that I have? As wisely as possible, and that takes so much, I guess, discipline to look back at every circumstance or every conversation. Did I approach that well? Mm-hmm. Could I have done it better? Those are the those are the things that keep you up at night. Mm-hmm. The things that keep you up at night are thinking about how maybe you could have helped better, could have done better, and you can't solve. You, you can't solve every problem. And mm-hmm. in some situations, it's completely out of your control. But at the end of the day, you want to be able to say, man, I tried to do my best. And at some point, I got to put it in God's hands. But wow. at least, you know, I, I'm, I did everything that I could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's not, you know, I'm probably slower on some more long suffering. And maybe that's part of the feeling that you get mm-hmm. from people. Cause, for sure. I mean, the best case scenario is for somebody to say, okay, I've just done this on my own. And uh, you know what, Pastor? I know you tried. okay i know you i I know you gave it everything that you could and you tried to do your best but i'm this is what i'm doing and they leave not feeling like you ran them off chased them out and did all those things 
we've we've seen people come back though and because you've maintained the relationship and didn't run them off um there's mm-hmm. always that that allowing god to work on those people yeah. to bring them back for another try or mm-hmm. more relationship mm-hmm. and maybe even see the wisdom of what you were saying mm-hmm. because you didn't say it in a way that was so abrasive that they couldn't hear it mm-hmm. yeah and, and I've, we've had those situations and uh, we've uh, you know they've come back and in some cases they've come back and they repeated the same thing yeah and then in those cases usually it's it's the rest of the body saying, okay, <laughs> Pastor, you, you, you're not going to allow this again, You've been so right? Merciful. Yes. Okay. This is, <laughs> you know, uh, but I would rather err on that side than to be on the other side of being so, you know, dogmatic mm-hmm. that, yeah. that it really causes people spiritual trauma. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I've seen that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so maybe the answer to your question on the first part was holistic living. Yeah. And the answer, the second part of the answer was, uh, methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you asked the, you asked about education. Yeah. I guess that's kind of part of methodology. You know, you think about, the way that you would disciple someone, whether as a parent Mm -hmm. or as a pastor, there's a lot of parallels between parenting and pastoring your shepherding. Um, and that's, I mean, just looking at your children, for instance, they're well-educated and they're very involved in ministry. We were talking last night about how much respect we have for Peyton in London. And we were talking about how Peyton, you know, he's working in the ER and do it, you know, he has his bachelor's in what, biology or? Biology it? with the concentration in chemistry. Yeah. yeah. And and now he's a missionary mm-hmm. serving in Mexico, you know, learning Spanish and, and helping people find the Lord. So how, as a parent and as a pastor, are you helping people with this integrative approach where you're you're focusing on education, you're focusing on right living and practicality? but also making sure that your spiritual calling is of utmost importance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so my family, I was the first one to graduate from a four year institution. Mm -hmm. My grandfather came to God along with my grandmother in the brush Arbor meetings. Wow. He was working in the fields. He heard a sound. He went down the road. There's a tent set up. That's how he got his stuff. Wow. That's awesome. um, So very, very hardworking people. For those who don't know, what is Brush Arbor? Uh, Brush Arbor is like the old tent meeting out in the middle of the the fields. And, I mean, they would just have revival out there. And you'd work all day. And then you'd head over there and you'd have church. And and the next day you'd do the same thing again. Yeah. so they were very hard workers, um, not as educated, um, but very committed, faithful people. My grandfather pastored in Santa Barbara, then pastored in Roseburg, Oregon, then retired. Um, 
So that was kind of a driving force for me is to try to better myself by going to school. And this this was in the the era where that was your ticket to a better life. Mm -hmm. Education was like your way out. Mm -hmm. And so they were very supportive of that. You okay. need to go to school and it's not the case anymore. Now it's kind of falling back into some of the trades and, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and school education in terms of upper level um, education has somewhat waned because now you come out with these big, huge student loans. You can't get a job in the mm -hmm. field that you're supposed to be an expert in, so it's a little more difficult. But then it was like getting an education. So that was kind of a um, the driving force, mm -hmm. and that was a big deal. My graduation and, and the family participating in that, that was a very, very big deal. Um, so, so I've always had kind of an openness to education. When I finished my, my bachelor's, then I decided, okay, I want to give the same effort to God. And so I bounced around, I did some external stuff, um, and then found out that there was a way to do my master's degree locally. Okay. So I started doing that. While you were pastoring or before? This was before. Okay. Yeah. But it was in an effort to kind of um, motivate myself and increase my abilities on a theological level. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, you know, I wanted to expand my ministry in that regard. So I, that, that's, that was my motivation there. So I did that uh, and got my master's degree in theology. Uh, With an emphasis in? Uh, biblical studies. Okay. So very dry, Greek and Hebrew, learning <laughs> vocabulary and syntax. And not a lot that you that's really useful in terms of like <laughs> preaching and stuff. Good for study. Yep. Very good. And yep. it does come out. But if you put too much of that in there, like people are like, what's, what's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... But it was very beneficial holistically yeah. for me to, to go through that because it did increase my knowledge in Scripture and theology and things that really were not motivated to. And part of that was a little bit of what's always driven me is a little bit of insecurity. And that probably also comes into play to answer your question about holistic living, way of thinking, working with people, because I never really approached school with much of an effort at all. Mm -hmm. It's more about sports and athletics. You mean and, like K twelve? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So coming out of coming out of high school was basically with not much. Mm. But then I got married, and then when I got married, now all of a sudden reality like kicks in. Do I want to keep <laughs> doing what I'm doing, or do I want to better myself? So, and I didn't know if I could do that. So it was so bad that I went to an adult learning center for a year. Really. And I had a teacher by the name of Julie Smezrud in Minot, North Dakota. That's an awesome name. Yeah. Yeah. Julie Smezrud in Minot, North Dakota. And she took me under her wing. Mm. And for a year, this is after we got married, for a year, she worked on all of my basic skill sets. That's from so cool. adding, in, adding integers, writing essays, uh, grammar, everything. Wow. Uh, so I owe a lot to to her. She was very, very inspired. Went straight from there into college, and that's where I start. 
My goodness, what a shift. Yeah, it really was. And a lot of that is always trying to prove to myself that I could do it. You know what's interesting is I haven't asked a whole bunch of people, but it would seem a lot of people that would be a huge deterrent to pursuing uh, any sort of education. Like, ah, I'm not good enough for that. Mm -hmm. I'm just, and I don't want to feel silly going to an adult learning center. That definitely was there. But the overriding feeling there was if I don't, Mm. then I'm just always going to be doing what I'm doing here. Mm. And I don't want that. That's that's And so she was very, very open and responsive. So that bit of insecurity was what really drove me, Mm -hmm. like to, to propelled me to keep going, uh, along with everything else that I was doing to try to make it happen. I had great support from my wife, um, and so I launched into that. So that was a whole learning process, even through my master's program. And then you get into ministry. And so now you're asking, how does that, how does your education, your experience, how does that connect with now your ministry and, and how do you present that to other people? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it varies times in that you learn a lot, you know, education is not everything. And at some point you thought it was, and you thought this is what's, you know, really going to elevate my status in life, which is not the right reason Mm -hmm. you're getting educated. And you learn a lot of those things (laughs) in the process of all of that. Sure. And so now, uh, I think education is extremely important. Um, but I think the key word, that we've talked about here is the right one, that it is a holistic thing. Not everybody's cut out for education. You can be educated in a variety of ways Mm -hmm. and that's perfectly fine. And we've all had, we all have a place at the table. So Mm -hmm. don't feel bad because I have a master's degree and you don't, you may be smarter than I am. You've just got general wisdom and knowledge and you pursue your education in different ways. Sure. You read, you're, that, you know, you know mm-hmm. my, my father-in-law is extremely uh, savvy financially. Okay, yeah. I, I, he doesn't have a four-year degree, but who am I going to go to when I want financial advice? Mm-hmm. I, you're going to go to the person that you know is knowledgeable. Right. So certificates you know, and degrees and plaques, and these are not, measures of success Mm -hmm. and they should not define you. And yet at the same time, we should all try to better ourselves. So for some people, they're going to go that direction and they're going to excel at it for other people there. That's not in their wheelhouse. Find what is, and then know that we're all sitting here at the table together and it's not going to be used as a weapon Mm -hmm. against you. Right. In either case, because you can have some people who have the education that look down on the people that don't. Mm-hmm. You can also have people that don't have the education and they criticize the people that do. Right. So those extremes are not good. So yeah. finding something in the middle that, that so in, in talking to people, it's trying to figure out, well, what, you know, what are you, if, if you're trying to do an education and going to college and you're miserable, stop. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Stop. It seems Dude. like like the imperative here is not don't go to school or go to school. It's what do you want to do? What do you think God is calling you to? 
And how can you become the best version yes. of what God is calling you to? Absolutely. And if it includes schooling, yes, then do it and be mm-hmm. good at it. Yeah. And if it doesn't, don't stop learning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And look around at people who have and, and, you know, if they exemplify what and they motivate you and you look up to them and that's the track that they took, find out as much information about that as you can and, and pursue it. Uh, but ultimately, you have to be settled in yourself that this is something that I enjoy doing mm-hmm. and I want to do, uh, not just because somebody else is, is doing it. And I think that the key there is eliminating, um, you know, I find myself in discussions with people who are very educated and I, you know, this is Bakersfield, California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's... Yeah. The demographic in Bakersfield, California, does not have a large uh, undergraduate degree population. Mm-hmm. They're hard workers, yeah. uh, very skilled workers, uh, but some of their kids are going on for education. But sure. in some cases, you want to consider what you're doing with your education because that could be a detriment to you. Mm-hmm. So I think the key is is making sure that everybody knows in those discussions, if it's all about education, then how can we bring in another element here? And that's where business's mission has, has been eye-opening because you have the educated part over here. If you can raise the business's mission, you're bringing those people into the equation. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting at the same table. I love it. And yeah. they're cross-referencing between each other. They're talking to each other. They're casting vision with each other. Yeah. That's that's the sweet spot. Mm. So, so good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> yeah. As far as this uh, conversation goes, um, what resources could you give people, um, like books or maybe your podcast to listen to, to help spur them on in their um, self-development journey? Yeah. I have more of an opportunity to do that with people that want to be used in ministry. So, I mean, this gives a a pretty good example of somebody. I won't name their name, um, but recently God's really, really doing some great things in their life. They're coming from a very successful position of business entrepreneurship and business growth and management. Um, So, and they got there by becoming educated in the business world. Okay. So business's mission, not necessarily going to school, getting a four-year degree, yada, yada, yada. Practical education. Yeah. 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 That far exceeds, that's what's interesting, that far exceeds anything that they could have ever achieved going mm-hmm. to a four-year university or whatever. Right. Mm. Um, so, uh, but they're getting involved in ministry and, and, and calling of God in their life, and they've they're very successful on this side of the equation, but how do, so how do I further myself in ministry in the kingdom of God here? And that's where I think, you know, Wilson University is, is uh, one of those examples. The LEAP program is typically where I direct people into it because it's, it's like a launching mm-hmm. pad and it's covering key elements of leadership and theology, centering them in apostolic identity mm-hmm. on a collegiate level to where they get a taste of what that is. And I've had, mm-hmm. so there's that guy yep. that is doing that. 
The LEAP program. Yeah, yeah, increasing the ministerial capability. I had another individual that came out of prison, was in prison for years, came out very insecure, wanted to be involved in ministry, uh, went through the LEAP program. And it okay. was a challenge for him. Mm-hmm. It was a challenge for him because he's not used to writing and doing all that kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> But he stuck with it. That's uh, awesome. I love that. Great success. Um, so again, I, yeah. I think it's a holistic thing. You you, mm-hmm. you have those opportunities where you can point people that way and figure out, okay, where do you lack and what could you be doing? And now let's 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 work together and collaborate and see what we can do. It's good. So we will link the LEAP program in the show notes for anyone who's listening and they're like, what is that? It's a four course certificate. Uh, I think it's a master's level certificate, but you don't have to have a bachelor's degree to do it. And uh, it's through Wilson University. It covers those primary primary areas of leadership and theology ministry. Um, It's a fantastic program. So we'll link that in the show notes. Any other resources that you want us to link for folks to check out? Right offhand, no. I mean, I, I do a lot of reading, mm-hmm. um, leadership stuff. I started my ma- my doctorate program for a short minute, mm-hmm. took like three classes, and, <laughs> and there were some elements in it that I wasn't too happy with. So not the material, just the maybe the approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but like specific resources, no. I think... Um, I would direct people to like Wilson University. Okay. If, they're, if they're wanting, especially in ministry, yeah. Where else are you? Where else are you going to get that kind of quality of education? Mm-hmm. That's apostolic. Um, you know, that's yep. the best direction to go for for us for a yeah. local church. So, some go to Bible colleges and what have you, but um, that's a case by case kind of basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So, yeah, okay. a lot of it, too, comes in conversations with people. Sure. Uh, Resources that they're familiar with. Yeah, and, yeah. and people kind of know, okay, this is who you are and this is kind of your background. So the, they'll come and those are real conversations. Yeah. Of, okay, how do I, what do I do to move forward? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I've had people come to me very concerned about just worldview issues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, apologetics. So I've directed them to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a source there. So it's just kind of knowing and then helping people connect to the right, right. Um, so sources. true. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time giving books out um, just generally, mm-hmm. but it's always, I'm always giving books out individually. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. This is what you right. got to read. Your specific right. situation. Yeah. 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 You, would, you would resonate with this, I mm-hmm. think. Another general resource that we will link in the show notes is the Loops podcast, which is mm-hmm. the podcast of this local church. And we've referenced it a few times. Um, but do you want to go ahead and give a summary of what the Loops podcast is all about? So the Loops podcast it came to be because uh, Kevin Forsyth started coming to church. He grew up here, moved, came back. Um, and had dabbled a little bit into it where he had moved. And he was like, what do you think of a podcast? And he gave me some ideas. Um, and it was not something that I was going to be like the key person in it. It's basically Kevin mm-hmm. bringing in different people. And so he gave me a couple names for it. And at the same time, I was taking those classes. And in a spiritual leadership class, it was talking about the biochemistry feedback loop. Mm-hmm. And it was equating that to the kingdom of, 
of spiritual things. Like yeah. if, if that's the case with the water, the soil, the trees, the microorganisms, and there's all these biofeedback loops, uh, some of the names that he gave, they were kind of generic. And he's mm-hmm. like, hey, I, I, here's some things I'm thinking about. What do you think? So he collaborated on that and came up with the idea of loops, which is the biofeedback loops all loop back into the kingdom of God, which is this voluminous thing Mm -hmm. that impacts every area of life. It's not just theology, but it's the practical components. It's the testimonies. It's Mm -hmm. the, it's everything, Mm -hmm. everything feeds back into the kingdom of God. And so we called it loops. And then when we started designing it, he created the infinity, the, the double O in loops is the infinity, the infinity symbol, which is, you know, you can go this way to infinity and you'll never get to the end. Or you can go this way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's like a heavenly thing. And the kingdom of God is like that. There's a now part of it that is an operation in the world, but there's a not yet because mm. it continues to go. Mm. So, so, good. Um, so good. loops is theology, it's testimonies, it's practical stuff. It's It can be a variety of things. It's that, holistic. It's holistic. Yes. That's a key word. It's holistic. <laughs> and it, it, it elevates people because they're hearing from all these different directions. These interviews or discussions mm-hmm. that help them connect their own life into the fabric of what the kingdom of God is. So that's, that's what the loops podcast so is all about. Love it. <laughs> all right, folks. So go subscribe to the loops podcast. We're going to link it in the show notes and you'll enjoy interviews like this one and others that are all tying back to the kingdom. Awesome. As we close out the interview, we're going to ask you the question that we ask all of our interviewees. And that is think back to the first couple years of your marriage. How long have you been married now? Got married in 1990. So what is that? 23. I mean, 33. 33. Yeah. 33. Wow. 33 years. 33 years. So. Think back 30 plus years ago. Uh And what advice do you wish you would have received? And fill in the blank, dear young married couple. That's a really hard question to answer. (laughs) Maybe you've never had anybody that's like, could just jump out and. No, you're fine. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. Yeah, there is. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Just right offhand, I don't. I don't really know if I could really pinpoint that. Yeah. Well, think of a young married couple that comes to you and says, Pastor, give us some practical wisdom. Give us some advice for our marriage. Just on relationship? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Well, the best example I've I've heard of, of that is, okay, so I'll present it this way. Dear young married couple, I wish I would have known... Um, the legs of the relationship triangle between passion, passion, intimacy, and commitment. Mm. Um, Because sometimes what happens is the intimacy is all encompassing and it's not broken down into the passion and intimacy. Those are two different things. Um, and that comes from the book, How to Save Your Marriage Before It Begins. Mm-hmm. Very eye-opening to me. Didn't didn't know that maybe initially uh, being married. And, and 
didn't fail at it, but kind of just, you know, struggled through it until light bulb kind of went off to realize that, that on a uh, female perspective, intimacy is very, very important. And it has to do with sharing, opening up. These are not like strengths that men are real, real good at. They do a pretty good job of it dating, but then once they get married, it falls off pretty significantly. I'm, I'm not the family therapist, I'm the pastor, but I've seen this happen. Yep. It's sad when somebody says, you're not the guy that that courted me and I was engaged to mm-hmm. and that I first married. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Why? Because you haven't done a good job on the intimacy side of the triangle. You're not sharing and you're focused on the passion side, which is the biological and the sexual side, but you're not sharing with your spouse. Mm. Um, so that I, we learned that we made our way through that. We were always committed. So we've never had that problem. Uh, but sometimes you can get distracted by, you know, school, job, mm. career, everything else. And you feel like your needs are being met, but really, you know, it's that old scenario. If you tell me you love me one more time, I'm going to shoot you or something like that, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> uh, everything is good for you, but it's really not mm-hmm. because you, you're you not managing that part of the relationship. Mm. And, yeah. and I think that I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know because this is what you do for a living. No, this is good. But uh, in talking to people when their relationships start to break down, that seems to be where things get really out of balance. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And you got to kind of try to reset to get them back into that mode of sharing things and being friends and, um, helping them kind of see that dynamic to get them back on track. So I think that for me in relationships, that's been a, a big key. Yeah. And fortunately for our relationship, uh, we've, we've had a, a tremendous going on 33 years. Yeah. yeah. And some of the best times that we ever had were when we were struggling the most, uh, because you know, you've only got each other. That's it. Like when you were struggling financially or... Yeah, when we first got married. So Mm -hmm. we first got married, we moved to North Dakota. That's where I was living. That was a a big jump for Jeremy to go from California to the Northern Plains, which is very, very harsh, bitter weather. Totally different lifestyle. uh, Completely different. Uh, Working jobs that were, you know, minimum paying wage, mm-hmm. trying to make ends meet you. And so you relied on each other. And we often say the best, some of the best years of marriage were those two years where, mm-hmm. you know, we were having to do some different things to make ends meet. Yeah, I remember going to work at Kmart selling Christmas trees. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to buy her something for Christmas. Oh, right. So I, I mean, that. we didn't have, it, it wasn't beautiful. like we had things readily available to us, mm-hmm. but we had each other. Yeah. And uh, those were some of the best years. Yeah. I love that story. Love it. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for your wisdom and pouring into our audience and yes. giving us some fresh perspective on a, on a yeah. managed life. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much.